to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh, and for the first time in a long time, I am looking at Micah and Sam. How are you guys? I'm tired. Yes, what Sam said. (laughs) But okay. sure. Yeah, just tired. But I'm, I'm doing all right, Josh. Thank you. For those who are social media friends of ours... Um, this is not only fun because we normally don't look at each other while we're recording, but we're also recording after Micah got a new haircut that looks a lot more like my haircut than it does the original kind of shaved up the side Robbie Gallaty thing he was doing. Um, the other one is definitely makes my wife happier, which means mm-hmm. I'll be going back to the other one as soon as my hair grows out. Yeah. But this is my coronavirus cut. Uh, he had a whole fam- verdict look f- going on for a while there. <laughs> One of my family members was cutting my hair outside. It's a little darker than it should have been. Cut ended up, uh, you know, you remember the old you chose poorly? Yeah, that's kind of what happened with my haircut. And I love how he doesn't name the kid. He just says one of my family. I'm not going to do that. One of my family members (laughs) throwing him under the bus. And uh, we ended up shaving my head. Are you not throwing him or her under the bus? (laughs) I am not throwing them under the bus. It doesn't look uh, that bad, frankly. It doesn't. I, I, I shaved my head one time in high school. Never again. I shaved my head one time in college. It just didn't come back. <laughs> I did this haircut when I was in Africa as a missionary, and I love it. My wife does not love it. I love being bald. I really do. And you're not the only pastor friend of mine that all of a sudden has a corona bald head. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of cool. But before we talk about our topic, which I think a lot of people are interested in, I'll tease it just a little bit. We're going to give our initial thoughts on reopening your worship services. Sam. Would you tell us about Church Initiative? Yes, we are sponsored by Church Initiative, wonderful organization. They are the creators of Divorce Care and Grief Share. Um, And despite the fact that we are in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis, Church Initiative's mission has not changed. They want to equip the members of your church to offer Christ-centered support groups for grieving and divorced people. And they're committed to providing you everything you need to continue during this season of social distancing and restrictions on gatherings. So, for those of you who already offer Divorce Care and Grief Share, we want you to know that they have made it possible for you to offer online groups at no additional cost so you can continue these vital ministries safely while still practicing social distancing. Um, So, you know, they've got online workbooks, online videos, online discussions, free coaching for you and your group leaders. Church Initiative provides everything your church needs. And if you start new grief share or divorce care groups, your church will be able to offer online groups as well. So, you can learn more about this and all of their ministries that they have at Church Initiative. Go to churchinitiative.org slash EST. Again, churchinitiative.org slash EST. Love that crew. They do amazing work, wonderful ministries. Uh you know, I'm so glad that they they sponsor the podcast. It's real easy to to prop them up and to 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 do these spots because I really believe in in their resources. 
Absolutely. It is a phenomenal ministry. And, and I'm telling you right now, this pain point of isolation, separation, I think mm-hmm. things, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I have seen a significant increase or uptick in dealing with folks who are struggling with anxiety, depression, loneliness. And uh, so things like grief share, divorce care, incredible assets, resources to help you care for people uh, during, you know, during this period. Yeah. I think we need to be very aware of the trauma. I know that word gets thrown out around a lot, but I think there's a traumatic effect that is happening with, with people, with families, with the, with those who are um, isolated by themselves anyways, children. I think there's a whole effect that's happening that we're going to deal with for a long time. Hey, I was curious, what are your favorite memes, Corona related memes that uh, have been floating around? I don't even know. Got any? It's a pretty good question. It's funny. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. I saw one that said, uh, this dog was looking at a human and said, see, this is why I eat the furniture. The whole like staying at home (laughs) thing, you know, and, um, uh, there's just a bunch out there that are, that are kind of cracking me up, man, to be honest. The one thing that this isn't a meme, but it's more of a news report that at, at the time of this recording has started coming out is like. Apparently, people's pets are getting coronavirus, and I just want to know, why are you using tests? It's mainly cats. Cats, of all things. Why are you testing cats? If a cat dies, it dies. I'm sorry. Right. I don't even I like cats. Cats Sam are basically the- sp- have somebody sending him emails. If I had a cats cat are basically the sniffle, you got to put it down. Yeah. You just I mean, literally, they come straight from hell. Why would you test coronavirus in cats and waste- on, on God's precious creation, which is people. Unless they're large that cats. There will be no cats in heaven. Stop testing cats for coronavirus. Unless they're like tigers, which you can buy consequently for $2,000, as the world figured out as the, here recently. Oh, yes. And we are, we are not- <laughs> Endorsing we anything. We're not, we're not going <laughs> to- Joe Exotic will not make an appearance on the EST podcast. Oh, yeah. So, let's we talk have more about important things to talk about, Josh. Yes. And it's time to do it. We have, um, I know that all of us are involved in constant conversations about what are we going to do going forward? And the reality is we don't know. We're all in different states, Florida, Tennessee, Arkansas. Arkansas is one of the few states that never put a shelter in place order in and um, statistically it's been fine um, about like everybody else that did so things are good we're going to get back to meeting in person the question is how when what phases are we going to do now that the president has released some phases how do we respond to those and i'm not really looking for specifics here guys i'm thinking what are things that we need to think through as ministers and pastors of churches as we go back into this what do you think yeah so i so we have been thinking about this a lot we've actually put together a plan that's contingent on waiting i mean we we need to hear from sort of our mayor so so our situation is very unique right we have campuses in two states we have campuses in tennessee and in georgia and so the the governor of georgia has at the time of this recording uh opened things up as of tomorrow and so our our georgia campus could begin to meet this sunday then we have uh, another campus that is in our county but not in the city limits of chattanooga it could begin to meet next week 
but the city of Chattanooga is exempted from the governor of Tennessee's back to, you know, opening things back up order. All of our major cities in Tennessee were exempted from the governor's order. And so they're functioning on their own timeline. And our city no does not have right now a timeline to return back to normal. So our one campus could return this Sunday. Our next campus could return the following Sunday. And our, our largest campus, we have no idea when it's going to be able to return. And so we've been having to uh, work through a lot of this. And trying to figure out the pieces together. So we we sat down this week with our lead team and we put together some basic outlines of a plan. Um, and and the tricky part is we don't yet know for sure if there are going to be specific stipulations for how large your gatherings can be. And the president's guidelines say that large gatherings in terms of houses of worship are allowed to begin with phase one. But we don't know yet. There's no guidance as to whether that means we can meet for worship, but we can't meet for other areas of ministry. There's a lot of ambiguity out there. And my fear is, guys, that if there is a resurgence, and of course, there's a lot of people who say that there's going to be a resurgence, um, you know, this fall. And who knows? I mean, it may happen, but we'll likely have more antivirals and testing and that sort of thing then to help mitigate some of those things. But if there is, I worry that churches could be part of the cause of that. We've already seen places like South Korea, where a major outbreak in South Korea was caused by one person attending a rather large church and eating uh, at a dinner with with everybody else. And so I think churches need to really cautiously think through this. We're not in a really quick hurry to get back to corporate worship in person, uh, even though theologically we, we do think it's a priority and we're going to get back to it. But we want to be very, very careful about how we get back to it. And we frankly are going to phase back into it. Even if the president said, you know, and the governor said, go back however you want to, which is kind of in essence what Georgia has almost said, we would still phase back into it. And so for us, we're going to start with worship gatherings. They'll be very much smaller than what we're accustomed to. We'll practice social distancing in those gatherings. And I would encourage churches to think about things like using no contact thermometers to do temperature checks as people come in the building, wearing latex gloves. If you have greeters who can open doors for everybody, um, masks, at least at the beginning stages for people. We don't think you can do kids ministry or student ministry until towards the end of summer, early back to school time. And I realize we're probably on the stricter side of how we think about this. And you guys might be a little more, a little, a little different than we are, but I don't know how you do social distancing or physical distancing with children and students. And so in our mind, that is one of the last things that's going to come back probably closer to back to school. So, I mean, those are a few of the thoughts. I've got some more thoughts. Here's, I went to the DMV the other day cause I got a ticket and uh, a speed trap. Arkansas rural area got me. And um, I also figured out some new Arkansas laws that I was not familiar with um, coming from Texas about your registration and such. So anyways, I got a, I got two tickets. I went to the DMV and I've been there a couple times since moving here, of course. And uh, we had to stand outside uh, this glass door one at a time. They let us in. They gave us a number. Then we sat in chairs that were six feet in all directions apart Everybody had a mask on. There was a, a plastic curtain around the desk. And then when they called my number, I walked up and she said, place your stuff on the table and then step back to that red line. When um, I did that, she walked up from six feet behind, picked up my stuff, worked on things, put it back down. She stepped back. I stepped up. I'm just not thinking that 
that is the sort of experience I want to create when we go back to worship services. And I know that people want to be together, but that's not going to be it. I think maybe for one week they might try something, but then the rest of the time, um, they're, I don't think they're going to do that. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be phased in, no doubt. Um, now, I have a little different thought than Micah, and I, I don't know that I'm right. This is just rank speculation. Um, you, you know, with the, with, with the limited risk posed for children and students, I understand that they can be carriers and we want to be very careful about, sure. about that. But I could see some churches starting with children and students because the mm. risk is so low with them. Wow, yeah. um, I don't know if that's wise or not. I'm, I'm not saying that that's what you need to do. I could actually see some churches starting with groups and not worship because um, that's what it may doing. be easier to start six mm-hmm. feet apart in groups than say in a in a worship experience where you know it, it would be very hard to keep that social distancing. So I think that there's a lot of different ways you can think about how you reopen your church. I don't know that given given the unknowns, it's very hard to, you know, I, I don't really want to come down, you know, I, I don't want to demean anybody really because like we're all just trying to figure this out. Like I think a lot of people really do mean well and you want to do what's best. Um, so, you know, as we think about strategies, I, I would just say keep everything on the table mm-hmm. and you're going to need to follow the guidance of your particular governor um, right. because the, the president the executive branch of our U.S. government um, has said basically the governors get to decide. Um, every state has a different governor. We we have federalism in the United States. If you don't know what that is, please look it up because federalism is uh, the way that we are. Um, so, states have certain things that they can do. The national government has certain things that it can do. Um, that being said, you're going to need to follow the guidance of your governor. And every state's going to have a little different take on that. Some of you live in states where – yeah, your governors have been a little heavier handed. We'll just say that. And some of you live in states where, you know, you're pretty much free to do whatever you want, just like in Arkansas. Um, but I think that's step number one is what is the guidance of the government? Um, and trying to back into a strategy from that. I think that's I think that's mm-hmm. the best wisdom I can offer at this point right now at the time that we're recording. You know, something new will come out tomorrow and this podcast will be completely a moot point, you know, when we air right. it. But, you know. <laughs> I think, you know, and in Arkansas, we've we've had restrictions, of course. There's restaurants are closed. Everything's closed. It's just, it hasn't been, it's been reasonable restrictions. It's not silly things like you can't buy paint. Um, so, those things have been um, in Really? Place. You can't buy paint? No, we can. Michiganders oh. can't. Oh, yeah, okay. Those unreasonable kind of situations where you can kayak, you cannot operate your own boat. Um, so, those kind of little silly issues. And Arkansans cannot do anything they want, like speed down Old Moralton Highway. That's um, that's definitely not not hundred something dollars against the rules. My question, just a hundred. That's not bad. Our tickets are much higher here in Florida. Yeah, well, y'all got to pay for that bloated government y'all have. So, <laughs> <laughs> listen, we don't have state income tax. I am a Florida fan. Don't you go dog in my state. I know you're a Florida fan. No matter what it does, you're a fan. So, the um, and I'm certainly not going to get an argument defending Arkansas. That's that's not what I'm going to do. Uh, the 
let me check on our co-host here while I say this. I'm curious about whether or not you think that people are going to want to go to worship services first or they're going to want to go to uh, small groups first. I think that people are going to want to go to small groups. I think they'll be willing to do that. I think that that's an easy thing to do. And because phase two says you can get in groups of 50, I would I would encourage the small groups to meet and then to, um, you know, watch the service together and then maybe do something with the children, those sort of things. Before, I'm just going to do that. I, I feel like I'm going to do that. That's going to be our phase two. And then when we can go back together with minimal social distancing requirements, we'll go back to services. I'm not doing the thermometer and the face mask and all that. I just don't. It's not church. I felt like I was in prison when we were at uh, when when I was at the DMV. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, um, you certainly don't want to make people feel like they're in prison when they come to church. Um, you know, I I don't know if temperature checks as you're walking in. I don't know that I could do that. I understand it. And if I was if I was coming to your church and you did that personally, I would get it. But man, I could see that rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I'm saying, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that scratching the itch of people getting together with their small groups, families, that sort of stuff, and then watching the service online. But don't scratch other people's itches because that would not be social distancing. Right. You can't get close enough to scratch itches. The other thing that I'm curious about is for many churches, I know you guys are pre-recorded. Uh, I know you do something a little bit different than the service, but your pre-recorded content, um, I'm not totally sure. I guess when Micah gets logged back in, which he's trying to do at this point, is, I'll ask him as well. But we're pre-recorded. If you did, if you go to that, you're going to have to go back to live for most churches. You're not going to pre-record a service and then do another live one when the people get there. So, that's going to be another strategy thing that I think people really need to think through. I wouldn't say that because we are talking about doing just that. You're going to do pre-recorded and a live? Yep. So, we, you know, we're thinking about how we put things out on YouTube and our podcast. And where we're headed right now is that we will do a pre-recorded video of the sermon like we're doing now and let that be what we put out there digitally. And then the feed will then become, the audio feed will become our podcast because it is, it sounds so much better. So, we're, we're actually considering not even doing a quote unquote live stream experience or a live feed experience um, and putting out something that's pre-produced mm -hmm. on the internet. Because it just, it for us, for us, we don't have, you know, half a million dollars worth of camera equipment to make the live experience happen well so you know we're we're kind of reconsidering everything so i wouldn't assume that josh we're actually talking about doing just that i don't think most churches will do that so we may no. be more of a rare case but we're definitely yeah. not going to do that and since we're doing more of a pre-recorded service then the question happens is uh do we do that because mike and i were talking before we started recording he said that less than 50 percent or he thinks somewhere around 50 percent of the church will come back to a service like that while we're in these social distancing situations i think that's exactly true so for our church if we came back we'd have to pre-record a service and then do another service for the 50 that you know the 50 percent that come back and then for the rest that um would 
want to uh, watch us online. <laughs> so I kind of just lost my train of thought. But the idea is this, that Micah has left the building. Um, his internet kind of went down. We think it has something to do with the recent tornadoes that went through there. So um, he's out. So sorry, listeners, as you, you know, began with three, now you have two. I know, and it's kind of sad because, you know, Micah's voice makes up for our whole range of of audio. (laughs) Yes, but as he has left the session, he did leave us a picture of himself on our Zoom Zoom. call. Yeah. And it's it's Micah with hair, and a a very attractive Micah with a beard, Mm -hmm. a nice coat. He even is wearing a pocket. He's wearing a pocket square. Oh, wow. Picture went away. And then away. it disappeared. <laughs> so let's goes. get back to- Micah's totally gone. The discussion. Uh, the the idea, I think, here, here's a couple of things that I'm, I've not, we haven't talked about yet. First off, I think I'm going to do a survey. We're going to put together a Google form, send that out to our membership, only our membership, and ask them specifically. Because every one of these conversations I've had with pastors and ministers, they all say something like, I think our people will- or I just don't think our people want to, you know, those sort of things. And I want to know exactly what our people want to do. So, I put together a little uh, inefficient, you know, it's not great sort of Facebook survey this this last week. And for whatever reason, I don't know why Facebook did away with the polls on the personal websites, but on the personal I missed that. I missed the polls. Bring it back. I Facebook. would use those a ton. Yeah. Uh, but the the general consensus was no, I'm not coming back. Like, um, not coming back to worship services right now. It's going to have to be a little while. I love watching online um, and we will come back when it's safe. But right now they don't feel safe. And so, and, and you know, I say that serving in a community and in a state that, you know, like as we've pointed out, has been more lax. So, you would almost think our people are more like, yeah, sure, open the doors, let's do it. But I don't think that they are. I really don't. I, I think we need to gain a perspective of who our people are and then kind of figure that out. All right. Have y'all thought about doing any sort of survey polls, anything like that? No, we haven't. It's, it's certainly uh, worth, you know, thinking about, Uh, you know, you have to be careful with polls and surveys and things like that, because anytime you ask for the opinion of your people, you do need to either tell people what you learned or to um, act on it. So just right. Just, if you just anybody ignore that it, does, yeah. yeah, anybody that ever does any survey for any reason in a church, you know, one of the worst things you can do is, oh, we're going to do the survey and then never tell people like what came of it mm-hmm. and then never enact anything. And so you can, you know, you can really burn yourself by not, <clears throat> by seeking people's feedback and then not doing anything with it. Um, but it, it is maybe a case where you seek out people's opinions. I would just caution you. People may not even know what they want. You know, mm-hmm. they may not even know. I mean, they, they may not. It, it may be difficult for you to get a good opinion from from someone because of everything that people are feeling. But you certainly want to pull in your leaders. You certainly want to pull in your team. You certainly want to pull in your decision makers into the process. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't make unilateral decisions. Certainly, no. uh, try to try to get. You know, if you're if you're an elder board or staff or committees or whatever it is, you, you, you deacons, you want to pull them in to the process. Uh, before. Yeah, what I would suggest is for whoever the top level leadership is, if that's just you, that's just you. Um, sketch it out. Sketch out phases. I would also encourage you to sketch out the phases that correspond with the presidents, 
um, three phases, you know, so I, here's my idea. Write that down on the left side of the paper, then write down your state in the middle of that, and then write down your church on the, the on the side there. If you're in a larger community, um, say like a Dallas or a, you know, a Tampa, you may need to go ahead and put a different a state in there. Some of the states are operating. I know that Tulsa is operating differently than Oklahoma is operating. So you're going to put those in there and make yours correspond to that. There's no sense in having 17 phases for your church when the, the whole world is operating off of three or four. So yeah, I would align I would- them that way. I would really keep it to three. I mean, maybe four Mm -hmm. if you want to get super complicated, but the simpler, the better. When you communicate to your people, uh, there's a lot of science behind threes and it's just a lot easier when people are thinking to think in terms of threes, phase one, phase two, phase three. Um, I would lean into that pretty heavily and I would also lean into simplicity when communicating. Now, the back end may be quite complicated. I would, I would not try to communicate complication, you're just going to, you know, burn yourself. So, when you do roll something out, make it very, very simple for your people to understand. So, after I sketch it out though, then I would run it through, you know, the next level of leadership. If that's a couple of committees, if that's your small group leaders, your different ministry organizers, those sort of things, because you're going to have to answer specific questions. So, sort of the strategy that I have right now is that whole idea of going back to small groups, meeting in homes. That's a great idea. I think it's genius, actually. But what do you do with children at that point? So, you're going to have to have your children's teams looking at that from their point of view. I would also say in this time, be very careful about how you're doing children's ministry and things. Children's ministry changed during the season, like everything changed. But I want to, I think that there's an added pressure, particularly on working parents who are now working parents and fill-in teachers. And then if you're putting a different strategy on them as far as like, hey, we're going to do, this is one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of the whole idea. And I don't know if you do this, Sam, so no offense, but I'm not a big fan of the neighborhood VBSs. Uh, We're just going to get these parents who have been trying to work all week, trying to teach their kids all week. And now, how about you schedule a VBS in your backyard? I just think that that's, we're not really thinking in, we're not, pushing into the grain of what's happening with people. Now, of course, any church of any size can find a couple of people who aren't carrying those burdens and, and doing different things. But I also know that those who carry a lot of burdens tend to be the ones that say yes and volunteer and sign up for those things. So, I just think you got to run it through a couple different channels, like you said. Don't do this in a vacuum. Ask deacons yeah, or whoever your and people While are. we're on the subject of children, I would just say your safety policies don't change either. Right. Don't sacrifice child safety for a reopening strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, don't You know, you're going to need to do things a little differently and it's, but you cannot just allow anyone to have access to, to children, even if you're struggling to find volunteers and things like That's that. Right. So, um, better to put a ministry like children's ministry on hold if you can't do it safely. Mm-hmm. Um, and by safely, it doesn't mean just the spread of the virus. It also means um, making sure that you keep the same procedures in place, or at least, uh, you know, a, um, a you figure out a way to do some of those things, even as you practice social distancing. So I would just say child safety is important as well. Yeah. Um, even if children are not, even if the risk is low for them to say, um, be harmed by the virus. Right. You know, another thing to think through, and this is something that we're going to kind of, you may want to 
draw a line between what you are organizing as a church, what you are doing, and what you are resourcing. So, if there's people in our church that get together in groups, I can't stop that. I'm not going to stop. I'm not, I'm not policing our church, right? So, if there are resources available on our website or these sort of things that they have access to and you communicate it in a way that says, Second Baptist Conway is not organizing groups all over the city, but we also have an online view. Here's the online curriculum, you know, hands off. That is different and it helps you in the future. So, I would be careful what you and your staff organize what you are actually now it's way different for me to say hey there is a children's curriculum video curriculum through right now that we have selected it goes eight weeks there is an online curriculum there there is a service right there go and do whatever you're going to do that's different than saying hey community of conway here are 20 homes that we are invite everybody you know bring them out here's some signs to put in your yards those sort of things what I'm saying is you open yourself up to liability. You also open yourself up to a PR nightmare if those sort of things go crazy. So, be careful what you communicate, what you organize, and then what you're actually just kind of facilitating. Yeah, PR is important in this era. Hugely um, important. You you are one news report away from getting attention that you don't want. So, mm-hmm. I would say better to not push reopening strategies as a church it's not a, at this point, I don't see it as a religious liberty issue. And I'm, let me tell you, I am very strongly in favor of religious liberty. Um, that, that being said, I, you know, you better to wait and to do something carefully than to have newspaper reports circulating about your church that yeah. did something too soon. Um, yeah. so I would just be careful about that. It, it's there's just a lot of wisdom in being more careful than than careless during this season. The last thing I have is the suggestion to maybe come up with, have you guys thought, or have you, Sam, have you thought about sort of coalition sort of idea? I know that California, Oregon, Washington all decided, hey, we're going to do the same thing at the same time. And I think there's some wisdom in that uh, regionally. I kind of think there's some wisdom too if you got two or three other like-minded or at least like-sized churches together and said, let's figure this out together. Here's what we're bringing to the table. Let's do this at the same time. I think there's some protection in that. Um, Absolutely. If you can get your local, I mean, it's like herding cats, right? Getting a bunch of pastors together. Yeah. (laughs) But if you can create some sort of coalition where the churches are at least choosing the same day, you may not do it the same way, but choose the same day. Mm -hmm. um, Any sort of negativity that you may experience is going to be dispersed. Yeah. And there's power in numbers. There's actually power in unity here. Mm-hmm. And I would say absolutely if you can coordinate locally. And, and that may just be with the 10 churches right around you. You know, right. it doesn't right. have to be all the regional churches, just the ones that are close to you. Yeah. And just say, hey guys, we're going to do this on the same day. There, yeah. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah. We love, we love church pastors. That's why we do what we do. Also, and we're hard to work with. Pastors are just really hard. There's little, little fiefdoms. We are we are that Josh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. w- when we say these things, yeah, it's us. Yeah, there's like five or pastors. six people that are like, "Man, I hate working with Josh King. That guy's a pain. He's bald." 
Oh, you only have five or six? Man. (laughs) Mine's like a factor of a thousand on that. I used to have a lot, but then Sam tried to beat one of them up and then they all just went. (laughs) (laughs) We, you know what? We did, we did get somebody that, you know, anyway, we won't go there. Yeah. Um, all right. That's all the time we have for today. We hope that you figure out when you're going to go back to worship services and we hope that it's safe, clean, fun, and you have no PR nightmares related to it. Yeah. And we will, we'll follow up with some more details. Unfortunately, right now, it's at the time guess. of this recording, it's it's tough for us to give details, mm. uh, but maybe a follow-up podcast where we can we can actually say, here's exactly what we're doing would, be, right. would be helpful, but we're not there yet. All right. Appreciate you, brother. Check y'all next week. Thanks. Hey, I'm Tom Rayner, and I am sharing with you a great resource for pastors. I always get excited when I can offer something to pastors and other staff members, but this is stuff for ministering to grieving people in your congregation and community. As pastors, it's hard, even as in the role we have, for us to know what to say and how to say when ministering to a person who has lost a loved one. What you need is a glimpse of the minds of grieving people, and that's exactly what this resource, Grief Share, provides. Their free book, Eight Things Grieving People Wish Their Pastor Knew, gives insight into how people grieve, how they misinterpret their feelings, and helpful things you can say and do to help people through the grief process. Visit griefshare.org forward slash EST to download your free book. You can see it in the show notes. That's griefshare.org forward slash EST followed by the number eight. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.